We must not rely on our own strength, but on God's strengthening in all things, in all situations, little things, big things, and everything in between. When we do that, God's strengthening will come to us in a most special way. So that in all things, in all situations, including the ones which our finite minds cannot fathom how we are able to endure, we can do all things. Selfish people will never find contentment. Only selfless people will find contentment. The perfect example is our Lord Jesus Christ. That was the attitude of Christ. If he had looked only to his own interests, he would never have left heaven's glory to come into this world and die on the cross for sinful, fallen people. That was why the Apostle Paul said, you must learn from the example of Christ. You must let this mind of Christ be in you. If you want to be content, then follow the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be selfless, not selfish. continue with the second part of our message based on the theme learning to be content let us recap briefly what we have learned contentment is something that most people would desire to have yet few people would be able to attain because they try to seek for contentment in the wrong places they try to seek for contentment in money material possessions, power, prestige, relationships, or even in their jobs. They have this idea that contentment can come to them when they are free from difficulties. So they rely on these things for security. But the truth is that contentment cannot come through all these things. In this fallen world, it is impossible to be absolutely free from problems. But even if you are free from problems, you will still not find contentment. Contentment can only come to us through a right relationship with God. Trusting in His sovereign, loving and purposeful providence. In our previous message, based on verses 10 to 12, we have learned, firstly, our contentment is based on our understanding of God's providence. When we truly understand about God's sovereign and providential control over our lives, over the events of life, then nothing happens by chance or coincidence when we are able to rest upon that assurance, we are happy. Remember, at one point in Paul's ministry, the Philippians were the only church who had supported him. But there was a long period of time, almost 10 years, whereby he did not receive any support from them. The Bible did not 
tell us the reason why they did not support or the lack of support. It could be because of their extreme poverty or maybe they were unaware of his needs or they were unable to locate him. We do not know for sure. These are just some possibilities. Then all of a sudden, he received a gift from them. Paul acknowledged it was by God's providence that in his time, he arranged the situations of life to bring the Philippians once again into his life to meet his needs, to encourage his heart. Secondly, our contentment is not based on how much we have. However much we have, we are happy, whether much or little. We understand that that is our portion on this earth. What is most important is that you and I must have the eternal inheritance reserved for us in heaven which we can never lose and which will never perish. Thirdly, our contentment is not based on the circumstances. Whatever we go through and whatever we have, they are only temporal. Even if we are to suffer every day, every moment of our lives, there's still no comparison with the eternal glory awaiting us in heaven if we are faithful. Now we will continue to consider the last two points about contentment. Let us look at verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. The Apostle Paul was still speaking on the topic of contentment. So our fourth point is, our contentment is based on God's strengthening. At this moment, Paul was imprisoned. He was going through a most difficult time. But no matter how difficult his situation was, he was content. Because he believed with all his heart that the God who has saved him from eternal damnation will never leave him nor forsake him. He was united with his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that is something that cannot be undone. And the Spirit of Christ who indwelt in him would strengthen him. That was why he said, through Christ which strengtheneth me, I can do all things. The phrase, I can do, comes from a word that implies to be strong, to have power, or to have resources. And that strength, power, and resource comes from Christ. No one else. According to the context, all things here refers to his physical needs. Paul was strong enough to endure anything. Of course, it does not mean that he 
could survive physically, indefinitely, without food, water, or shelter. That would be impossible. But what he was trying to say is that even at the point of death, he was still able to endure. Because Christ would give him the strength to go through. The psalmist David said, Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Dear friend, perhaps you are happy, or you think you are happy, in all kinds of circumstances, whether in prosperity or in poverty, whether you are full or hungry, whether you are employed or unemployed, whether you live in a mansion or in a tiny little room. You think you are happy. But the moment you are afflicted, the moment your life is at stake, the moment you are lying on your deathbed, that is when you are despaired. It is as if your whole world has collapsed. Oftentimes we hear people say, I can endure this thing. I can endure that thing. I can stand this situation. I can withstand that situation. But when it comes to this particular thing, it is my last straw. Do you realize that basically they are relying on their own strength? And by their own strength, that is as far as it can take them. That is the most they can endure. So when it comes to a particular thing, that is the ultimate. That is the last straw. We must not rely on our own strength, but on God's strengthening in all things, in all situations, little things, big things, and everything in between. When we do that, God's strengthening will come to us in a most special way. So that in all things, in all situations, including the ones which our finite minds cannot fathom how we are able to endure, we can do all things. What about death? Are you afraid of death? Remember, God is with you. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. He will strengthen you and walk with you through the shadow of death. Do you believe that he will do that? Alexander McLaren was a great Scottish preacher in the 1800s. If you ever read any of his books, you will be greatly encouraged by this amazing man of God. I believe I've shared this testimony of Alexander McLaren, but I will do so again. 
When he was young, Alexander and his family lived on a farm far away outside of the city. Times were hard, and at the age of 16, he decided to go into the city to work, to provide for his own family. People had to do what they had to do. His father and mother were reluctant to let him go. He did not have a horse, and the journey to the city was almost 16 hours. So to get to the city, he has to walk for 16 hours. It would not be possible for him to do that on a daily basis. He would stay in the city throughout the week, and come weekends, he would return home so that he can go to church with his family. As he was getting ready to leave for the city, his parents said to him, Alex, we know that come Friday evening, when you finish work, you will be tired. We know the journey would be long, but we want to tell you that we love you. We miss you. We want you to come home. And then his dad said to him, Promise me that you will come home. Alexander knew that between the farm and the city was truly a long walk. But what is even more worrying is the fact that it is a terrain that goes deep into the dark valley. The paths were dangerous. Robbers would hide and then attack the travelers after sunset. Some travelers were killed. He wanted to come home with his little salary to share with his family, to cheer his family's heart. But how could he do that? He did not want to tell his father that he was afraid. So he said, Dad, why don't you just let me wait until Saturday morning? And when the sun comes up, I will leave at daylight and make my way back. No, Alex, my boy, the father said, we miss you. We want you to come home as soon as possible. Promise me, my boy, you will come home Friday night. But dad, it is dark and you know the treacherous journey. Don't worry, son. Just promise me that you will be home as soon as you finish work. Alexander made the promise. He worked all week long, but his thoughts could not be erased from the fact that at the end of the week, there will be this treacherous journey. There could be robbers waiting for him. All week long, he dreaded that journey back home. Not because he didn't want to go home, but he did not want to meet the enemies there. Friday came. He finished work. The sun was setting. And he started that long journey. Finally, he came to that dark and deep valley. All of a sudden, he heard some noise stirring in the darkness. He knew there was someone there. 
and he froze. He didn't know what to do. Finally, he spoke up and said, Is somebody there? And he heard a sweet voice on the other side. Yes, my boy, it is your dad. I miss you so much that I thought I would come here to meet you and walk you back home. Dear friend, one day, death will knock on our doors. If we are not raptured, if our Lord Jesus would tarry in his return, we will be standing on the edge of that deep and dark valley. We will fear to take one more step into that dark valley that will take us home to God. It is in moments like this when we know that we have no strength, absolutely no strength, that God's strengthening through Jesus Christ will come to us. And then we will hear this sweet voice calling out to us, Come home, my son. Come home, my daughter. Don't be afraid. I will walk you through this deep and dark valley. Our contentment comes when you and I know that we have no strength. Our strength, our power, and our resource comes from Christ alone. And Christ who strengtheneth us, when he does that, we can say, I can do all things. Let us move on to verse 14. Notwithstanding ye have done well, that ye did communicate with my affliction, our fifth point is our contentment is not selfish but selfless. Those people who live only for themselves will never be content. Take a moment and consider this. When you live only for yourself and life is all about yourself, you will always be thinking about how to satisfy those desires, right? You will desire to have the things you do not have. You will desire to have the things other people have. You will compare your situation with your neighbor. And when you are not able to have those things, you'll be most unhappy. Even if you are able to have those things, there will come new things. And then enough is never enough. That is one of the root causes of discontentment. For most people, they tend to think that contentment comes only when the circumstances are exactly as they want them to be. That will never happen. The reality is that those people who unselfishly 
put others' well-being above their own, will find contentment. Selfish people will never find contentment. Only selfless people will find contentment. The perfect example is our Lord Jesus Christ. That was the attitude of Christ. If he had looked only to his own interests, he would never have left heaven's glory to come into this world and die on the cross for sinful, fallen people. That was why the Apostle Paul said, you must learn from the example of Christ. You must let this mind of Christ be in you. If you want to be content, then follow the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be selfless, not selfish. By God's grace, the Apostle Paul was able to do that. Remember, Paul said to the Philippians in verse 11 that it was not as if it was his desire to have their gifts because he had learned to live in humility. He had learned to live in abundance, to be full, to be hungry, to experience prosperity, to suffer need through his experience, through his life. He had learned to live above the circumstances and not let those circumstances affect his contentment. He has said that. But if this letter were to end here, then the Philippians would be thinking, Paul really did not need our gifts. Or he is not appreciative of our gifts. So to make sure that they did not misunderstand him, he said, they had done well to share in his afflictions. That was why he said, notwithstanding, ye have well done. Then he went on to say in verse 15, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving. But ye only, for even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. He reminded them that at the beginning of his gospel work at Philippi, about 10 years ago, during that time, and even after he left for Macedonia or left Macedonia, no church communicated in giving to him except the Philippians. Even when he was in Thessalonica, they also sent gifts more than once. Their kindness and generosity enabled him to preach the gospel freely in Philippi and in Thessalonica. The phrase concerning giving and reserving or receiving is a business terminology, like doing accounting. Those of you who are in accounting will know about crediting and 
debiting. This tells us that Paul was a careful steward. He took note. He took into account everything he had received. He remembered those people who gave to him. Every one of us ought to be good stewards of the blessings we have received. Some people are just plain ungrateful. They do not remember the help they have received. In fact, they expect the people to support them. I remember there was once a pastor who ministered in a particular church. It was a very small church. Only a handful of people. They gave sacrificially to support him. They even collected funds to send him to further his theological studies in the Bible college. But after his graduation, he was approached by other bigger churches to serve together with them. He left the church without a pastor, without a shepherd, without even informing them he joined one of the mega church. Such a person do not take into account the help they have received. I do not mean that you must remember to the point whereby you are indebted. No, that is not what I meant. But we all ought to be grateful. We ought to be good stewards to remember the help, the support that we have received in whatever forms it comes, whether physical, spiritual, or even emotional helps. Paul was grateful. He remembered how the Philippians had helped him, supported him from time to time. He took into account this matter of giving and receiving. He was not selfish. Obviously, he had needs. But he was not thinking about his own needs, but rather the Philippians. Look at verse 17. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Their gifts brought him great joy. Not because of the personal material benefits to him, but rather the spiritual benefits to them. It was not about him. It was about them. That was the difference. Some people may ask, what is this fruit that may abound to your account? What is the spiritual benefit of giving? You see, there is one who is greater than Paul. And he takes into account everything that we do. And he is the almighty God. God 
will never shortchange his people. Ultimately, there will come a day of accounting. There will come a day of reckoning. And this matter of giving and receiving and receiving will be opened before him. A word of encouragement to all those who have given cheerfully and sacrificially to the work of the ministry. Every time our missionaries in Myanmar say to me, please thank the Battleites who have supported the Myanmar missions. We are so thankful. Without you, by God's grace, we would not be doing what we are doing. Personally, I do not know who are the people who have given. I don't think I'm supposed to know. But there's one who knows. He knows who you are. And he takes into account what you have done. And God who knows, that is all that matters. Isn't it true? If God knows, that is all that matters. God will take into account your giving. They are the fruits that will work toward your spiritual benefits, especially on the day of reckoning. Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Acts 20 verse 35. Jesus also said in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verse 38, Give, and it shall be given unto you, a good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye met, whether it shall be measured to you again. If I may give you an illustration, as parents, we want our children to love the Lord. We want our children to obey His commandments, right? The time will come when we are old, when we are unable to do any work, and our children are gainfully employed, and they support us by giving money from time to time. And then we say to them, well, daddy and mommy have enough money. Don't worry. You do not need to give. And the children say, didn't God say, thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother. I want to honor my God. I want to obey his command and I will support you. It is not just the money but the fruit. To see our children receiving the fruit that work toward their spiritual benefits. That is a joy that words cannot express. 
That is a glimpse of Paul's attitude. It is not about him. It is not about the gifts that he had received. It is about the Philippians. But as for me, Paul said, look at verse 18. But I have all and abound, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Not only Paul had everything, but what he had was exceeding. He was overwhelmed by the Philippians' giving. Interestingly, here Paul used the sacrificial language from the Old Testament. In those days, when the people gave offerings to God, the animal would be sacrificed. And as the animal was burned, there was this sweet smell of sacrifice ascending to God to signify that their offerings were pleasing and accepted by God. In other words, Paul saw the Philippians' gifts as a sacrificial act of worship to God. Dear friend, isn't it amazing that our giving is an act of worship? Each time we give, whether to the church or to the missions work or to those who are in need, it is like a sweet savor ascending to the Almighty God. How wonderful. Finally, Paul said in verse 19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Despite their poverty, yet the Philippians gave cheerfully and sacrificially. Do you realize that you can never give what you do not have? And what you have, you have received from God. And when you give, God will replenish what you have given. No one can ever outgive God. Have you ever come across someone who has given so much that he became a beggar? Personally, I've never encountered such a person. If you have, let me know. No one can ever outgive God. Maybe you have heard this phrase, give until it hurts. Especially from the tele-evangelist, those health, wealth and prosperity gospel preachers who try to persuade the people to give, and they will say, you are not really giving until you give everything. Then they come up with this phrase, give until it hurts. That is most unbiblical. 
Do you think God wants us to give until it hurts? No. He wants us to give cheerfully, willingly. And He will provide the means for us to give. He will take care of our needs. He will not leave us stranded or in pain or until it hurts. That is foolish. He will supply all your needs, not out of his riches, but according to his riches. There's a world of difference between these two phrases. A wealthy man who gives a hundred dollars, he's giving out of his riches. Even one thousand or ten thousand dollars, it is still giving out of his riches. But if he were to give, let's say one million dollars, then perhaps he is giving according to his riches, proportionate to his riches. Most certainly God's riches cannot be measured. God's riches cannot be exhausted. God's riches in His glory is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the source of all of God's riches. Yet God gave us His Son. In Jesus Christ dwells all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Through Jesus Christ, we are blessed with every spiritual blessings. Through Jesus Christ, we are elected and redeemed. Through Jesus Christ, we have this eternal inheritance reserved for us in heaven, which will never perish and we can never lose. Through Jesus Christ, you and I will live in a mansion Jesus has gone to prepare for us, where the streets are made of gold, pure gold, garnished with precious stones, the gates made with gigantic pearls. Dear friend, can you put a price tag to all these blessings you have received from Jesus Christ. No. To know that Christ has supplied and will continue to supply all our needs, both physical and spiritual, according to his riches. That is most profound. Are we not happy? How can we not be contented? My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Our contentment is based on God's strengthening. We rely on him for everything. Everything. Little things, big things, 
and everything in between. Our contentment is not selfish, but selfless. For we follow the example of Jesus Christ. We learn to look beyond our own needs, but onto the needs of others. We care for their needs, especially spiritual needs. And when we see them receiving spiritual benefits, when we see them having fruits, working toward their spiritual benefits, you and I will be happy. That is what contentment is all about. May the Lord grant us understanding and the ability to apply this truth into our lives so that we will not have a spirit of discontentment but rather a spirit of contentment to the glory of God. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank thee for teaching us what contentment is all about. It is something that most people desire to have, yet few will be able to attain because they try to seek for contentment in the wrong places. O oh Lord, thou hast reminded us, contentment can only come to us when we have a right relationship with thee, when we trust in the sovereign, loving, and purposeful providence of the Almighty God. Our contentment is based on thy strengthening. We are without strength. On our own, we can do nothing. But through Christ, which strengtheneth us, we can do all things. Little things, big things, everything in between. Even in the face of death, we are not afraid. Because our Lord Jesus will strengthen us. He is always with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He will walk us through the valley of the shadow of death. We are content. Our contentment is not selfish, but selfless. Forgive us, O Lord, when there are times whereby we live only for ourselves and we think that life is all about ourselves. Forgive us. Now we know. Being selfish we can never be content. We will always desire the things we do not have. We will always desire the things others have. And then we will fight and compare our situations with our neighbours. God forbids. We want to be able to learn from none other than our Lord Jesus, the ultimate example the ultimate selfless example, the mind of Christ, where he came into this world for us. We want to look 
onto the things of others rather than our own things. We care for others, especially their spiritual needs. And when we see their spiritual needs being met, souls are safe. People are growing spiritually, receiving spiritual benefits. We are happy. We are content. O oh Lord, Thou hast taught us this is what contentment is all about. We learn this truth, but we want to apply this truth into our lives. Through the wonder-working of Thy Spirit, help us so that we will be men and women who have the spirit of contentment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to Tried and True with Paul Cheng. This podcast is a media outreach produced by Bethel Bible Presbyterian Church. And for more sermons like this, as well as other biblical resources, visit our website or YouTube channel under our church name. Thank you for taking your time to join us today. Check back later this week on Wednesday for an extra message on true discipleship and on Friday for pastor sermon on the book of Exodus, both here on Tried and True.